know that when I start talking about prayer force, I understand that a lot of people fall asleep. Can I be honest for a few moments? Let me start off right. Can I be honest for a few moments? We've got way too many people in our church, in our city, in our nation, and in our world that they want some Pentecostal fire, they want a revival, but they don't want to pray. I, I, I heard on the radio this week, and, and most of you that know me very well know how odd it is that I would listen to a preacher on the radio. I just don't normally do that. But but in one of my drives this week, I, I was flipping through the radio, and I came across Tony Evans. And Tony Evans began to preach, and, and he was talking about... Uh, he was starting a new series on Malachi, and I'm going to tell you, he so excited me what I heard. I was like, man, i got to figure out when his radio times are because I need to hear the rest of that series. But he was talking about how that our society have has overused God's name. And he made a statement that just jumped out of the car radio and grabbed me as I was driving down the highway. He said, we want God to be in the invocation to start off our meeting. And we want God to be in the benediction to end our meeting, but don't allow God to interrupt and mess up our meeting. He said that too many times we have decided that if we can say God's name in whatever way or phrase that we can conjure it up, that it will make us look holy, but yet we don't want it to affect our life. I believe that we have come to a place in the Pentecostal church, in Souls Harbor Church of God, where we want to see the shout, we want to feel the doodads, we want to sing the worship, we want to dance the dance, but let Sister Ann do the praying. We want to see the fire, but we don't want to cut the logs. We want to see the fire, but that we don't want to strike the match. What we want is a controlled burn. What we want is something that we can put within the controls of our hand. And when we can control it, and when we can say when it gets hot and when it gets cold, and we can say how it lights our path and it warms our hands on a cold day, we're okay. But we don't want to get a hold of something that gets so Because we want to be in charge. We want to be in control. But when God began to lay on my heart about a month ago, he was dealing with me about prayer at a ladies Bible study in our house. They called me from the living room into the dining room. I'm trying to watch football. Pastor! And they began to say, what about prayer? And things just began that had been stored up in me. God had been pouring me again to flow out. And I, I came that Sunday night about, about a month ago now, and I preached about a prayer force. And God gave me a vision. He gave me a vision of nine tables wrapped around our sanctuary. Nine places, stations of prayer. Pastor, why is it nine? Because we're going to take, on the first Sunday night of every month, we're going to be talking and showing and praying. Now, why are we going to pray the first Sunday night of every month? Well, obviously, we're going to pray the first Sunday night of every month so people won't come that week. 
Oh, did I say that out loud? Because I know good and well when we get to the place that we are actually doing our prayer services, there will be many that will say, well, I'm busy that Sunday night. I'll go when there's some preaching. I'll go when somebody can pray for me. Because when I begin to talk to you about these prayer stations, ain't, excuse me, Diane, ain't none of them going to be for us. They're about praying for others. But these nine stations, when we go around and pray with them, we're going to spend, we're going to have nine five-minute sections of prayer. And, And I'll share this again as we get even more and more into this. But you can either go to all nine sex, nine tables and pray over them for five minutes apiece. Or if there's an area that's burning in your heart, you can pray there for 10 minutes or 15 minutes or 20 minutes or 45 minutes. But it's going to be 45 minutes of prayer. We're going to end those nights with about five minutes of just silence. Just quiet. You know, the biggest thing that we mess up in prayer time is we never shut our mouth long enough to let God speak to us. Amen. We're going to start those sermons, those, those nights, with worship and praise and thanksgiving. What I'm wanting to do, the purpose of these Sunday nights, is to give us a chance to come together and pray, yes, but I want to show you a model for daily prayer. I want to show you a model... How that you can pray an hour a day and not have enough time to get all your prayer done. How that you can pray an hour a day and all of a sudden say, well, pastor, I started with an hour and now it's three. Because what we're going to do is you start with five minutes of thanks. You have five minutes of praise. Now, we'll have a little more than that on Sunday nights. You have 45 minutes covering the areas of intercession. You have five minutes of listening. And you have prayed an hour. We're, we're, we're going to have, we, we've got a system that is going to show us how to intercede for our loved ones, for people around the world, for revival, for healing, for deliverance, for families, for other churches. We're going to have nine tables. See if I can remember them all. I know I've got five of them ready. We've got lost loved ones. We've got leadership. We've got family. We've got healings. We've got churches. We've got communities. We've got one more over there, and I can't remember it. We've got revival, and we've got missions. Five, nine areas. What's that? Well, Israel will be a part of the missions because we support Israel. Government will be a part of our leadership. And I'll be talking about that a little bit more tonight. We're going to be we're going to be spending time interceding for other places. Now, Pastor, why are you so caught up on this prayer force concept? Last time I preached, I said prayer force. I, I use the term of the force of the prayer, like an attacking army. Over the last month, God showed me another form of that force. It is the driving force of what we do. Prayer force. The prayer needs to be the driving force of what we do. I want you to open your Bibles with me tonight. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If you know anything about prayer, you would expect me to read this verse. It says, if my people who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sins and heal their land. Heavenly Father, guide us, lead us, direct us tonight. Lord, show us the force that is going to direct everything that we do this year. Lord, it is by prayer that we will live and move and have our being. Lord, it is by prayer that we will reach out to other people. It is by prayer 
that we will repent, that we will be forgiven, that we will, that we will see our land healed. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, and amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. As I was praying, I did remember the ninth table. It's deliverance. We're going to be praying for deliverance. I remembered that. So, Pastor, why are we caught up in this prayer force? Because it's time we humble ourselves. This verse says, if my people who were called by my name. Anybody ever called, ever called themselves a Christian? Christian? Christ called by my name, my people who are called by name will humble themselves. Our problem, one of our problems is we have forgot to humble ourselves. We have become proud of our piety. We become proud of our religiosity. We have become proud of who we think we are in Christ. And instead of walking in victory, we begin to walk in pride. Now, next Sunday, I'm going to preach about pride, so I don't want to get too far off on this, but I'm going to tell you something. One of the biggest problems I see in the American church, in Souls Harbor Church, is too many times we walk around going, well, we've got it all together, and isn't it great we had visitors come in today, and they don't know anything? Well, I'm going to tell you something. Some of those visitors, we have a young man. We have a, I, I guess I should, probably shouldn't say young man, but we have a man started coming to our church recently. And um, one of our leaders went over and spoke with this man today. She came up to me after church. She, she says, have you talked to him? I said, yeah, I've talked to him. No, 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 no. Have you talked to him? She was blown away at the passion, at the, at the desire, the hunger, the direction, the, the strength that he had, the vision that he had. Too many times we look at new people and we think, well, maybe they'll catch up to us eventually. Well, dear Lord, I hope they don't catch up with us because most of us are on a one-way trip to a grave. I hope maybe I can catch up to some new believers that have energy, have excitement, that have love, that are celebrating life, that are excited about the fact that Jesus bled and died for them. We've been celebrating kids this weekend with our kid fest. And too many times we look around at our children, we look around at our kids, and we think, oh, well, maybe we can get them to grow up and they'll be just like us. Lord, I hope not. Lord, let them grow up with power. Let them grow up with anointing. Let them grow up with victory and, and strength. Let them move no more than the shout. Let them understand the power of prayer. So how do we move forward? How do we walk out this prayer force concept? We humble ourselves and we pray. We spend time seeking God. Now, how do you humble yourself and pray? I'm going to grab my phone because I am not going to stay up there. How do you humble yourself and pray? It's very simple. You humble yourself and you pray by praying for other people. One of the reasons why I know pride is entering into our prayer life is 90% of our prayer life is God give me. God help me. God bless me. God, what you really need to do is we spend more time trying to tell God what he's supposed to do to take care of us instead of shutting our mouth and letting God tell us what we're supposed to do to take care of him. We get caught up in the pride of life because our prayer life that we call prayer life is always about, God, how are you going to help me feel better? How are you going to make me not hurt so much? How are you going to make me richer? How are you going to make me more important? How are you going to give me a better title, a better position, a better voice? When all the time God says, all I want you to do is give yourself to me and humble yourself. When I talk to somebody that needs to humble themselves, one of the first thing I do is tell them, you need to start praying for other people. 
So 45 minutes of every hour of prayer that we pray by the prayer force plan that God's laid out in my heart is going to be about other people. Ten minutes is going to be about giving thanks to God and giving praise to God. Forty-five minutes is going to be about calling out to God for other people. And five minutes is going to be about listening to God tell us what we need to do. Well, Pastor, where do we ask him for our stuff? You can figure that out outside that hour. When you start getting into intercession... And you start getting into seeking for others. You know what happens? When I'm asking God to bless other people, you know what Sister Ann's asking for? I'm asking God to bless Sister Ann. Sister Ann starts asking God to bless me. We begin to pray for one another. We begin to reach out to one another. So this whole system is going to be caught up in intercessory prayer. The first table that we've got, table one, I'm starting table one over here. Table one, this is our lost loved ones table. Some points I've called it the salvation table, but I decided that it's our lost loved ones. Beth said, well, what if we don't know if we love them? I said, well, if you love them enough to ask God to come into the life, they're loved ones. You love them. And, and, And... What we're going to do on this table over here is I'm going to bring in, we're we're going to have, of course, they're all going to be covered. We can see one of the table covers back there. But on this table is going to be a photo album. My plan is have that album laying on this table by next Sunday. There's going to be a photo album on this table. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to find pictures of your lost loved ones, family members, People that you come in contact, people you work with, I want you to find pictures of them. And I want you to bring them in, and we're going to put them in that photo album. No names. But when we go to this prayer table, we're going to be able to open up that photo album. And we're going to be able to pray over people. We're going to pray over them and pray over them and pray over them. God, send your salvation grace. Send somebody to witness to them. Send somebody to share your gospel with them. Send somebody. Some of them won't be in Chillicothe. Some of them will be in other parts of Missouri or in other states or other places around the world. It won't be people that are local here maybe. But we're going to ask that God send some church to knock on their door. Give some reason for them to walk into a church and feel the power of God. Let somebody on their job witness to them. And then when they get saved, we're going to take an ink pen and we're going to write by their name in that photo album the date that they gave their heart to the Lord. So as we're praying, we see a name with a date next to it. We're going to say, oh, thank you, Jesus. The Bible says when one lost sinner comes home, all of heaven rejoices. All of a sudden, praise is going to pour over from our pre-intercession time. And now as we're praying for lost loved ones, we're going to be praising God because we're going to see this one got saved and that one got saved and this one got this one got saved and this one found the Lord. And we're going to begin to become excited about what God is doing. I'm going to tell you something else that's going to happen. These tables are permanent pieces of this church for the next year. They don't go anywhere. They don't go anywhere. Yesterday, we needed a couple tables, and somebody came, can we use one of those tables? I said, we haven't set it up yet. This is the last time we're going to be able to use it, because once they're set up, they don't move. That's why we bought new tables. These tables are going to be permanent parts of this church. Here's what that means. Every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, When I preach the word and we pray in this church and we worship and we sing symbolically, we're going to be preaching the word of God over all of our lost loved ones. We're going to be preaching the word of God over them. We're going to be believing God that he is going to find a way to reach them. Well, Pastor, what if my lost loved one gets saved in our church? And starts praying and then looks through that photo album and sees 
man, I bet they're going to shout. Wow. That's why I'm here. I'm here because the power of prayer grabbed a hold of my life. You see, we need some people that come in and understand that they didn't walk in because they decided to come to church. They didn't walk into the house because they wanted to hear a song or they wanted to see some crazy loud preacher yell at them. They walked in those doors because we prayed them in those doors. Lost loved ones. The first table. A place that we intercede. How many of you right now can think of at least two people that you want to put their picture in that book? I got at least two. I I got at least two. Some of them live close. Some of them live far away. But I want to see them find Christ. The next table that we're going to look at tonight is table nine. Table nine is our missions table. It's right over here. This is the missions table. Now, missions is one of the driving forces of our church. We spent five minutes this morning praying for our missionaries as we do every first Sunday of every month. But every time we walk into a prayer night, every time you go into a prayer time in your house, on your list, and I'm, I'm going to let you know as we get into the first part of 2019, I'm going to be giving you a printed list of these tables. I'm going to give you places that, you know, when you're not up here, you can write down names of people you want to see saved. You can write down the missionaries so that as you're praying at home, you can do the same thing. Our missionaries are going to be people, and on this table, we're going to have these seven pictures. We're going to have pictures of the Bustamantes. They're our missionaries to Italy. They, 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 They are a powerful, powerful ministry team, ministry family. We're going to have Michael Lutterback, who is our missions to Israel he is doing a work in Israel that is uh, that is is one of the most powerful works that we have going in the church of God right now as he is ministering and reaching out to Israelis and to Jews that are coming back to Israel from other places that that are lost that don't know him that 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 need the light of the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ this other picture up in the corner, little boy sticking out his tongue. Kristen could probably tell us that little boy's name. What's that? Marius? Marius. Marius. Okay, whatever. Uh, Marius. Marius. These are children that are a part of the Bread of Life Orphanage in Romania. It's one of the orphanages that we support every month. We, all of these are missionaries that we support on a monthly basis. Uh, uh, the, the, these children are growing up. We, we've heard Kristen share with us firsthand as she has spent not, she didn't just go over and do a week. She's done two three-month trips, four-month trips. One four, one three-month trip. She went over there and stayed. And, and, and she, she's been a, an active part, and, and, and she's brought us back the stories of, of how that these kids are being impacted. I'm going to tell you something. The Romanian countryside, the Romanian government is not, this is not a place that kids have a joyous life. And without this orphanage, these kids would be on the street. But because of our financial support, we allow a place for them to be. Because of our prayer support, we allow God to do something in their life. Can I be clear on something? This, this, this goes more than just the, the orphanage. Our financial support to our missionaries allow them to do what they do. Our prayer support allows God to do what he does. Don't think that because we send them money, that's all we've got to do. 
Don't think that because we write a check every month that that's that we're taken care of until we get on our knees and we start asking God's blessing and anointing on them. I promise you, the hundred dollars a month that we send them helps, but the hundred dollars a month that we send them coupled with the anointing and the blessing and the prayer covering makes that hundred dollars do way more than we ever thought it could do. We come right below them. It's a picture of Hong Kong. When Brother Curtis was here just recently, we gave him in one check a full year's worth of support to start, to help start a ministry school in Hong Kong. Brother Curtis has been working in mainland China for over 25 years now. He spent several years smuggling Bibles. Then he got into a season that that wasn't a need anymore. He started going in and teaching, got working with the Emergent House Church. This was churches in mainland China that decided they were tired of being underground and they were coming out in the open. And their concept, if we would grab a hold of it, would change the way we have church. Because here's what they said. If we come out and we do what the church is supposed to do, the government will need us so much they can't shut us up. And so when they stepped out of the shadows, they came out with benevolence. They came out feeding the poor, the hungry. They came out providing for the poor. They came. One of the first things they did as a public deal, I was supposed to be a part of. And they decided they didn't want any Westerners to be a part because they thought it might be an, an issue. But in 2013, they brought out several thousand underground church believers to give their blood. Because you see, in China, they have to buy their blood from other countries. Because the basic Chinese religion does not allow them to give their own blood. And so they have a blood shortage. So the church came out, and this is what they said publicly. In a communist nation that said, we don't want freedom of religion, the church came out and said, listen, I know you want us to be quiet. But because our Savior has given his blood for us, we will give our blood for our countrymen, and you need us. And they gave blood. I'm going to tell you something. When, 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 when things have begun to grow in China, now all of a sudden we're coming into another season. The relations between America and China are not the same as they used to be. And, and, and so, so now when you go into China and they stamp that passport, they look a little closer. I'm going to tell you, I've been in China twice. And, man, I've been through customs in a couple of places. I mean, dear Lord, Sarah went to Mexico with, even without a passport. We told her she was going to get stuck there. She was scared to death. And, 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 but we wouldn't have played those games in China. Because when you stand at customs in China, they haven't seen a smile in 40 years. And behind the guy reading your book is the guy standing with an AK-47. And he doesn't just have it wrapped around. He's got his hand on the trigger. I've never been so intimidated in my entire life. And that's when relations were good. Haven't been back since relations have been bad. I can't imagine the, 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 the ferociousness, the fear that has to be there. So here's what they found out. Hong Kong is now becoming part of China. They're almost, China has taken over control of Hong Kong by treaty. It took them 20 years to do it. So mainland China can get to Hong Kong. Here's the deal. In Hong Kong... Freedom of religion is already the cat out of the bag. And so as China has taken over, they have not shut down the churches because they're already established. And they understand that they're going to have riots in the streets. So we have a little more freedom in Hong Kong. And we have the freedom to bring people from mainland into Hong Kong. 
So guess what we do now? Instead of trying to get missionaries into mainland China, we bring missionaries from China into Hong Kong, and we teach them. I say we, we, because we support this ministry. They teach them how to be pastors and how to be teachers and how to be prayer warriors and how to reach their own people. And then under the direction and under the freedom, they're able to go back to their own homeland and they walk in understanding that they could wind up in jail. They walk in understanding they could be killed. They could be persecuted. But now they walk in with their hearts and their minds full of knowledge and they go back and they start churches in in, in, in attics and in basements and I've been in some of those attic churches and basement churches when I went to Harbin China in 2013 they took me up in an attic there were 125 in that attic and I thought oh this is a great church and Curtis says oh no 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 Tommy this is not a church you're in a pastor's conference I said a pastor's conference he goes every one of these 125 are pastors I said oh okay Arrogant, prideful American. All these people pastoring these small little churches in China. He said, yeah, some of them are small. Some of them are only five or 600 people. That guy pastors 14,000, and that guy has 5,000, and that guy has 10,000. And I'm like, why in the world am I teaching them anything? But in that room, they tell us that there was close to 100,000 thousand members of churches represented by their pastors of 125 pastors wow he's right and that's what we're praying for in hong kong next to them is victor lopez some of y'all know victor lopez better than i do i know him by facebook and reputation but I know he works in Mexico and Guatemala, I believe it is. And, and he has got, every time I see a video on him, man, you, on Facebook, he puts up videos. And, man, those people know how to shout now. They know how to worship. And, and, and man, I just get excited. I, I, I have never met him personally, but, but I feel such a part of his ministry because I've seen so many things and I hear so much and I hear about times that he came here, I believe. Yeah, I believe he actually came here, did he? And, 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 and ministered and, and he's been a part of who we are. Victor represents something different from everybody on this. Well, no, I guess not because Hong Kong's not either. Victor and Hong Kong, they're two missions that we support that are not part of our organization. Neither one of them are Church of God missions, but they're God missions. They're God missions, and we cover them with prayer. Dennis and Vanna Tanner, overseers of Scotland, great friends of this church. I've got good news, good news, good news. I've talked to Dennis via text message this like uh, a couple weeks ago, and we have tentatively set up the last weekend of January to have a missions conference again. And Dennis Tanner is coming back again to do our second annual missions conference. Amen. And uh, powerful. I just love Dennis and Vanna. They're, they're, they 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 have they have won my heart. I, I went to Scotland with them and, and, and love being with Dennis. And every time Vanna come around, it rains. So every time I see Vanna, if it's raining, I'm like, yep. I was at General Assembly this last, a couple months ago. And one day it was just pouring rain. And I'm walking down the hall at General Assembly and there stood Vanna. And I walked up to her and said, I knew you were here somewhere. Cause it's pouring rain out there, but they are, they are wonderful people. They are, they are building, uh, Scotland, uh, uh, sharing, send the light program from our missions department has now this year added Edinburgh, Scotland as one of their send the light cities. And so they're starting a whole new ministry center in Edinburgh. And, and I mean, every time I talk to them, there's something else happening this year at the general assembly. I believe they brought 10 or 15 pastors from Scotland to to the General Assembly in Orlando, and uh, man, I got to go over and, and hang out with them a little bit, and it was like old home week, man, they were all, it was exciting, it's fun, they're, they're great people. Last picture over here is the men and women of action teams. Man, that, that's, that's one of the things, we move and, and, and do a lot in this church, and, 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 and it's not just our team, but it's other teams, and every month we're going to be praying 
that God blesses whatever teams are out. And if our team's going out, we're going to be praying for them. So at our missions table, we're going to spend. Yeah, can you imagine? I'm only giving you five minutes to pray for those seven things. I'm going to tell you, when we pray for our missionaries on Mission Sunday, we pray 43 seconds for each missionary. 43 seconds to get five minutes. I'm going to tell you, you're going to easily get called at the mission table for 10 minutes. Especially as you get to, you know, talking to the missionaries, you get to hearing some stories. Dennis comes back and tells a few stories. We get a couple of the other ones to come. Woo! You, 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 get, you get let Kristen corner you in a corner somewhere and tell you about bread of life in Romania, and, and you're just going to be over there weeping. But missions is going to be our, 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 our table nine. Table number two, which is back over here. This is our leadership table right back here. Aren't you glad you get to do the camera today? She just stuck her tongue out at me. That wasn't nice. This is our leadership table. This is the table where we're going to pray for our leadership. Can I tell you, we have got to learn and understand I'm going to talk in ways that I never talk. Well, maybe not never, but not often enough. We cannot advance until we become supportive and submissive submissive to our leadership. You hear me? You hear me? I don't talk about that enough because I'm part of that leadership. And and, and I'm not saying you need to bow down and kiss my feet, but I'm going to tell you something. Until you learn to reverence the fact that God placed the pastor in this church to be the pastor, you're going to stunt the growth of this church. Until we begin to understand that God has placed an overseer and a general overseer in our organization, and we, if we don't respect them and pray for them, God, it's going to stunt who we are. But I'm going to go one step further. We cannot reach our city if we're not praying for our mayor. We can't reach our state if we're not praying for our governor. We can't reach our country if we're not praying for our president. I don't care if you like him or you don't like him. So on the leadership table, we're going to have some pictures. And I've debated on which pictures I would use, and these are the six pictures right now. We may add some more later. These are the six pictures we're going to have up. One of them is a picture of me and Beth. I don't talk about this enough, but we need your prayer. We need your prayer. There is stress. There is fatigue. There is struggle. There is difficulty just in being pastors. Then there is difficulty. There is stress. There is struggle. And being married to a Yankee. It doesn't matter who you're married to. There's stress in marriage. Every marriage, every marriage brings about a certain amount of stress. It doesn't matter how much you love them. I'm going to tell you, I know everybody knows I pick on Beth all the time. But I, I want you to find a couple that's more in love than me and Beth. I dare you. Because I think you're going to have a hard time finding it. I... I I look around it and, and, and we, we have begun to joke. We have three generations in this church. We have Lowell and Annie Smith who are not here tonight. We have Rick and Mary Jessen. Lowell and Annie have been married 67 years. Rick and Mary have been married 45 years. Me and Beth have been married 25. If you hang out with any of the three of us couples, we all act exactly the same. We bicker. We, we all go at each other. All the, it, 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 it's almost comical. And I feel like, hey, I'm in good company. If we can wind up like Rick and Mary and we can wind up like Lowell and Annie, I'm just going to keep right on keeping on doing what we're doing. But being a pastor is tough. Being married is tough. Being parents are tough. My kids left, and one of them sent his dog back. I pray for you to have kids that left and sit their kids back because, man, I'm trying to kill the dog. I don't know what you do with those kids. I'm sorry. I... 
But, but it's difficult. We have struggles. We have challenges. And then we don't even get into the physical needs that we have in our family. We need your prayer covering. We need to know that you're praying for us. Some of you go, well, pastor, we just don't even know if we really like you. And I'm going to be honest with you, you don't have to like me to pray for me. But when you pray for me long enough, you'll start to love me. When you pray for me long enough, you'll start to love me. See, see, liking somebody's not a prerequisite to pray for them, but I promise you love is a result. Is a result. So we're going to ask you to pray for us. We're going to ask you to pray for Bishop Tommy and Jessica Powell, who is our state administrative bishop for the state of Missouri. The I've been in ministry in the Church of God for almost 30 years now, and they hands down are the best overseer I've ever worked under in my entire life. They have a heart. They have a passion for, for people, not just ministers, for people. We're going to pray for them. Uh, Tim Hill and his wife's name just slipped out of my mind, and I know it, and I can't remember it. But uh, Tim Hill, our general overseer, we see several videos of him uh, sharing. He is... He, he was one of my first favorite preachers as a kid. When he was 18 years old, he came and preached his first revival in my dad's pulpit. And I've heard him preach. And from then on, every time I could hear Tim Hill preach, I wanted to hear it. And, and I've watched him, and I've seen him as he's grown into becoming, in my opinion, one of the greatest general overseers in the history of the church of God. He has a passion and a fire and I can stand here without any reservation and tell you we've had some great overseers in the past, and I'm not talking about them, but I can tell you as of right now, today, sitting in Cleveland, Tennessee, as our general overseer, we have a bona fide, fire-hot, all-the-way-to-the-bone Pentecostal leader that is bound and determined that we are going to take Pentecost back in our denomination. He said at the General Assembly, we've given the microphone away, we've let the world tell us that we can't be accepted and be Pentecostal, and he stood up to the ministers in General Assembly. He said, quit putting the Holy Ghost in a prayer room in a corner somewhere and bring it back out and take the mic back and let's be Pentecostal again. Powerful man of God. On this other side, we have three other pictures. In the top corner is Mayor Dupey. He is our, he is our new mayor just recently became mayor at the at the passing of our of our previous mayor and uh uh his father-in-law was a member of this church his his father-in-law and mother-in-law were were part of this body and, and and as a city council member, when I go and I pray for the city council, he's he's always been open and very receptive to our prayer. And I'm excited that even with the change of mayor or mayor leadership in our city, we still have a pastor at every city council meeting, opening every city council meeting with prayer. The last mayor said, if somebody wants to shut me down, they're going to have to take us to court because we're praying before our meetings every time. And I got news for you. When I go and I pray, I don't go and pray some namby-pamby little prayer. I pray for God's wisdom, God's direction, and I pray in the name of Jesus Christ who died for our sin. I make sure that Jesus is a part of that prayer, the Father is a part of that prayer, and I pray for the anointing of the Holy Ghost. I believe that our city is hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're going to pray for our mayor. Uh, underneath him is Governor Mike Parsons. That's the right name, I believe. And, and uh, again, just became our governor in the midst of tri trial, in the midst of turmoil, in the midst of, uh, uh, of, of controversy. He has become our governor, and I can guarantee you, he did not walk into that office and go, oh, everything's going to be good now, because he walked into an office that was under a firestorm. 
and he needs our prayer. We can't win our state until we cover our governor. And then everybody knows the big smiling face up there on the top. If I've ever known a president that needed prayer. And, 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 and I'm going to tell you something. Everybody has a different way to take that statement. But I've never seen a president under as much tack as Donald Trump is from the time he took office. We've seen, we've seen presidents under attack constantly, but he is constantly, every word he says is attacked. And, and, and I'm going to tell you something. He, I, 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 I have no doubt, I, I have no, no question as to, or, or I, I'm, what I'm trying to say is, I don't know where he's at spiritually. I don't know where he's at. Some of the things he's done make you figure out that he probably doesn't have a great relationship. But I can tell you one thing, he's open. He had a Pentecostal preacher pray at his inauguration. He had a Pentecostal preacher who wasn't afraid to get up there and be Pentecostal. Samuel Rodriguez got up and he was Pentecostal in his prayer. He, he, he has a vice president that is hungry for the word of God. And, and we need to cover him in prayer. Here's what I believe about Donald Trump. This is as close to political as you're ever going to hear me. And I believe this about any president. But I believe that there's enough people around Donald Trump that he's placed there because of their faith. His vice president being one of them. There's enough people he placed around him because of their faith that if any president has ever had an opportunity to hear the power of Jesus Christ, it's Donald Trump. And if we've ever had a president that was bold enough to step outside of what the polls think and step outside of what the public thinks and say, I'm going to believe something else, it's Donald Trump. What would happen if all of a sudden our president had a Pentecostal life-changing salvation experience? I'm going to tell you, there would be some news organizations that would blow up. Their brains would just explode. But it would change our nation. We need to cover our leadership. Now, I'm going to tell you, we don't have an election this year. But for your future prayer times, when you have somebody in office that you don't agree with, you better pray for them with the same passion, the same love, and the same vigor that you pray for somebody that you agree with their politics on. So if you don't agree with Donald Trump's politics, pray for him. If you agree with him, pray, pray for him. Because God says that we should pray for our leadership. And they have been placed in our leadership. i got to move on. Our, our, our next table, oh, this one I love, table eight. This is our revival table. I wanted a revival table, but I didn't know how to do a revival table. Because here's what I didn't want. I didn't want us going around all these things praying for other people. And get the revival and say, oh, God, let us feel your fire. I want to feel his fire. But I am sick and tired of everybody asking for their own stuff. And if God is going to send a revival here, it's because we've prayed for God to send a revival there. And I said, okay, how can, how can I do this? And I got to thinking, if I say in this church, I say the word, we're, if I say the words, we're going to have revival, what is the first thing that comes to your mind? Special services? David Tennyson, somebody says. Is there another name that might come to anybody's mind if I say we're going to have a revival? Curtis Silcox. I have talked this last week to Curtis Silcox and David Tennyson. I didn't book either one of them. Don't get excited. But I told them both that I will be booking them sometime. But on this table, there will be a picture of Curtis Silcox and David Tennyson. But they have both also agreed every, at the end of every month 
they're going to send me their preaching calendar for the next month. When we go to the revival table, we're going to have a list of the places that Curtis Silcox is going to be preaching. We're going to have a list of the places that David Tennyson is going to be preaching. And we're going to spend our time asking God, pour out a revival in Alabama where Curtis is at. Pour out a revive, a revival in Arkansas where, where I believe David's in Arkansas this week. Pour out a revival in Arkansas where, where, where Bishop Tennyson is at. And we're going to be believing them. Now let me tell you what happened when I called these two gentlemen. When I called David Tennyson, I said, excuse, we're friends, so it's not, I'm just telling you, we're just close, so I I don't call him Bishop, I call him David. I said, David, I got a request. I told him what I wanted to do. He goes, oh, wow, oh, wow, oh. (laughs) Now, understand, I do this out out of complete, utter amazement at David Tennyson. I was on the phone, and I could hear him going, I mean, I could hear those eyes going back and forth. He was, I I could tell he was excited. The fire was burning up. And here's what he said. He said, Tommy, he said, God has directed me to preach just about every sermon on prayer. He said, every place I go, they're telling me that prayer is their theme for the next year. He said, you are right on track. Then he went one step further and he said, Tommy, you need to lay out what you're doing and you need to send it to Doug Small, who is the prayer director for the church of God. You need to let him know what you're doing so other churches can do what you're doing. And, and he was so excited. I said, could you do this for me? And by the time I got off the phone, I got a text message with his preaching schedule. He was excited about having this church pray for him. I called Curtis Silcox. And Curtis said the same thing. I said, I got a weird request. He said, I would expect nothing else from you. <laughs> you, you, you have to understand that, that, that Curtis has known me 19 years. He knows how weird I am. And, and I told him what I was doing. He goes, Oh, I've got to tell you what God told me. I said, hit me with it. Curtis has a, a, a ministry grounds, ministry facility. He has two cabins, or he calls them cabins. They're beautiful homes that he allows pastors and ministries to come in and relax in at no charge. He has on that property a chapel that is gorgeous. He said, God told me just a few weeks ago that I was to start having special intercessory prayer in the chapel every Tuesday night. And he said, I, he said, I, I, I said, okay, God, who, who do I need to call? And God said, don't call nobody. Just be there and open the door. He said the first night, he said it was me and my wife and my daughter. He said the next week there was six or seven. He said the next week, I think he said they were about three weeks into it. And the last time they had had, there was 14 or 15. Nobody had been called. Nobody had been asked. God just sent 14 or 15 people. to. And I'm going to tell you, you don't get to that chapel by accident. It, one of the great things about his property is cell phones don't work on it. It's way out in the middle of nowhere. It's in the middle of the boondocks. And all of a sudden, about 14 or 15 people just rolled up to the chapel for prayer on Tuesday night and began to pray for people. He said prayer is, God is moving in prayer right now. He said what you're doing is right on track. They were confirming what we were doing. I believe that God is going to send revival. I don't believe these are the only two men God can send revival through. But I know enough to know that if I say revival service, those two names are going to come up in this church. That's what we think. Those are the labels we have put on these guys. And I decided, let's become their intercessors. Let's become the team. Let's become the church that's behind them praying. I want to be the church that hears that as we were praying one Sunday night in a prayer force meeting, that all of a sudden somebody else got up out of a wheelchair in a David Tennyson meeting as he has seen before. Or some other some other person has had blinded eyes open in a Curtis Silcox meeting or somebody else that's behind the iron curtain behind the the communist nation of China has found the gospel of Jesus Christ because we have been interceding for revival to fall 
we're going to pray for revival. Whoop. Last one. Now, can y'all imagine when we're praying for all these things every week? Can you imagine? I've only, I'm only going through five of the nine tables. When we get to our first prayer force, actual prayer force meeting, which will be the first Sunday night in, in, in uh, January, and wait till I tell you about that in just a second. But first Sunday night in January, we have our first prayer force meeting. We're going to have church. Now, if you want to stay home because you're too busy to pray, go ahead. I don't care because you'll just get in our way because we're going to have church in this house. Table number three is families. You're really going to like me now. Table number three, right back here in the corner. Here's what's going to happen on the family's table. We're going to have... We're going to have a list of the families of our church. But we're also going to have some labels. And what I'm going to ask you to do is when you get back there, we're going to have a list of, 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 of probably actually we'll have them on labels of family names from the church. So your family name may already be there. But when we go back to that table, there will be a label that will say Sandifer. When you see that, you'll pray for the Sandifer family. But I'm sure my wife is going to write D'Antonio on a label because that was her maiden name. That's the family she comes from, and we're going to start praying for the D'Antonio family. And I will probably write Hoover. That's my mama's family. That's part of my heritage. And I'm going to ask you to write down the family names, just the family names of your families and when we go to the family's table we're gonna have all these labels around that table with family names on it rooks family lehman family midget family ortwig family and when we get there we're just going to start saying god wants you to bless the midget family all forty-five thousand of them <laughs> that's just that's just howard and helen's side of it uh Bless the Silkwood family, the Jessen family, the Rooks family. And we're going we're gonna to begin to pray for each other's families. We're going to begin to call out family. When I talked about salvation, you're like, yeah. Talked about missions. Woo! Talked about leadership. Okay, we, we can pray for Trump. Talked about, talked about it revival. We're like, woo! Talk about families. We're like, have you ever heard somebody say, "Well, I can't do any more than this. It's just the way my family is. It's a family curse. That's just who we are. We're going to break some family curses right back there." We're going to call an end to the devil's attack, not just on a person or an individual, but a whole family tree. You want to know how that we could, you want to know how we could quadruple our church? If all of a sudden all the Ortwigs started getting hold of God. What happened if all the Lehmans and those connected with the Lehmans? Dear Lord, we already been there once, but what happened if there was a revival in the midget clan? We got the Jesses. Man, if we got, I'm going to tell you on Facebook, I run across Silkwoods all the time. I don't know if they're all related to you, but I run across Silkwoods all the time. <laughs> what happens? What happens if we start reaching our families? What happens if through intercession our families start exploding in revival? Ooh, you can't hold it. And that's just, that's just the surnames we know. That doesn't even go into the maiden names and the other families. And, the, you know, everybody, we have all got those multiple sides to our family. 
In my family, between my mom and dad, we had Sandifers, and we had Smiths, and we had Hoovers, and we had Nations. Now, we're not all from this area, but if we were in the East Texas area where they were from, and we got a hold of all the Nations and all the Smiths, dear Lord, if we had a revival among the Smiths, it'd be a miracle of God. Uh, uh, and, 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 but we would have, we would have an outpouring of God's strength and God's power. But our problem is, we pray for everything else, and when it comes time to pray for our families, well, they, God can't do nothing with that. You know why? Because we know them. We know them. Oh, God ain't going to change them. We know them. They walk in... They walk in the church and we look cross-eyed at them. What are you doing in my church? You ain't going to mess up my church like you messed up that other church you went to. Come on. That's the way we act. But when we start praying God to break the family curses, we start praying God to send victory and revival in our families then all of a sudden our nieces and nephews, our cousins, our aunts, our uncles, our moms, our dads, uh, our, 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 our in-laws, our outlaws, they all start walking in the door and we go, whoa, God's doing something in the house. And I got news for you. When a family member walks in the door, they are more likely to stay than a non-family member because they have somebody they're connected to. They have somebody. Now, that means that you've got to connect to your family. A family member comes in, you better be saying hello. You better be reaching out to them. Howard, you better go over and shake their hand. And, and you, you know, you, you, you got, you, you, because they have, they have a tie. They have a place. And when we pray for our families, everything changes. Now, the first Sunday in December, I'm going to preach about the, I'm going to share the other four tables. The deliverance table. Wait do you hear that one. That one's going to be awesome. The, 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 the church's table. We're going to have a table that's going to have bulletins, brochures, and, and, uh, and logos from every church we can find in northwest Missouri. And we're going to pray for every church we can find a name for. Right back there. We're going to have a communities table back here. We're going to have maps of six different counties around here. Six counties. And we're going to be able to go back here and pray over the maps of six different counties. We're going to have deliverance uh, churches. There's another one. I had it while ago and I lost it again. I can't ever get all nine of them at one time. Huh? Healing. Healing. That's it. We're going to have the healing table. That's going to be another great one. We're going to talk about that next month. Now, let me tell you one more thing. I'm going to let you go. Prayer Force 2019. If you'll notice, I'm taking, I'm taking two and a half months to get this ready for us to do. You know why? Because we're not just praying. We're praying with force. We've got a reason. But I believe, and I felt like God laid on my heart that we couldn't just, we're going to pray in 2019, we had to do something. So starting at midnight on January the 1st, 2019, we're going to have a sign-up sheet where you can come and you can pray an hour, you can pray two hours or three hours. We're going to have somebody in the building praying and it doesn't have to be one. We could have five. We could have ten. We have fifteen. But I want somebody here every hour. For the first 52 hours of 2019, there's going to be prayer going up from this building. We're going to come in. We're going to thank God, thank God for five minutes. We're going to praise for five minutes. I'm going to have two rooms set up for thanks and praise. We're going to come in here, and we're going to pray 45 minutes around these tables. And then there's going to be a quiet room where you can go sit and, 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 and listen 
to what God is doing. There's going to be journals that you can journal in so that you're going to journal your thanks so that as people come in behind you and they're going, I don't know what thank God for, they can read the journal and go, oh, man, I didn't think about that. Yeah, I need to think. Oh, God, thank you for that. We're going we're gonna, to we're gonna journal what God's telling us in our quiet room so people can come in and we can, we can edify one another. But for the first 52 hours of this year, an hour for every week before we ever get started, we're going to have an hour for every week already prayed out out of this building. Revival, healing, salvation, family curses, missions, leadership victories, deliverances, are going to happen, and we're never going to ask, God, give it to us. We're going to say, God, give it to them. And what does the Bible say? Give, and it shall be given to you. Press down, shaken together, and running over. Pastor, that's a money sermon. No, it's not. It's actually a judgment sermon. Read the Bible. It really has nothing to do with money. It has to do with judgment. It, but it is a principle. And if we give our prayer to other people, it says, it shall be given back to us, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Shall men give unto your bosom? As we give our prayer to other people, somebody else is going to be giving their prayer to us. And it's going to multiply and multiply. And multiply because we humbled ourselves. We turn from our wicked way. We ask God and He forgives our sin and He heals our land. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I thank you and I praise you for your power, for your anointing, for your mercy, and for your grace. And Lord, I ask that you would send your victory in this church as we reach out to others. Lord, as we pray for others, Lord, I pray that you would open up a, a, a wellspring of interceders for us. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Shake hands, be friendly, tell somebody you love them, everybody, God loves them, you're dismissed.